name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is the beginning of the Lenten Triodium, a season of three weeks and four Sundays that introduces us to the Lenten themes of repentance, contrition, and the reorientation of our lives to God. It eases us into Lent, priming our spirits to make the most of what it has to offer. The Gospel story today touches on the three pillars of Lent, of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. And these things are given to us that we may come closer to God. Yet how we go about them is just as important as implementing them in the first place. We see Jesus making clear his purpose for telling this story in the preface, the verse immediately prior to where the gospel story reads starting today. He said that he's telling this story for those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. We see his purpose also in the coda, the concluding statement, where he says that everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. So he is speaking about pride and humility. Today's story gives us both a carrot and a stick, both a warning about what not to be and an image of what we could be by God's grace. In the figure of the Pharisee, we have a warning that in this person, these spiritual practices have benefited him nothing. He has followed the law to the letter, but he has misused its intention. These things are not ends in themselves, these practices, but the Pharisee has allowed the sin of pride to infect his soul. He has weaponized his spiritual practices, using them to judge and condemn others around him. In doing so, he's placed himself far from God. Several commentators know that when he prays, He's not praying to God, but he's praying with himself. Father Andrew Stephen David even points out that he's not communing with God, but just communing with himself. There will be temptations for us to judge other people in Lent. Perhaps we'll go out for a meal with other Orthodox, and we'll see others not fast according to our standard, and we'll be tempted to think ourselves somewhat superior. We'll go to some of the extra prayer services, and we'll take note of how we're one of the people present, and we might feel like congratulating ourselves on our special dedication. Or we'll give X amount of money to the poor or to the church, or we'll spend time with someone, and we'll reflect and think that only we could have gone about this in such a way. Now these deeds are good in and of themselves. It's the accompanying mental commentary that's the problem. In the Sermon on the Mount, by uh, contrast, Christ tells us how to go about these pillars of Lent. He says, when you fast, make it hidden, make it private, wash your face, to make it seem like you're fasting. When you pray, go into a secret place, and there pray to your Father in heaven. And when you give, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, not even not just making it hidden from other people, but even in a certain way, keeping them hidden from our own self-reflections. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving exist not to lead us to pride, but to humility. With prayer that is truly penitential, contrite, and focused. A fast with an external fast is matched by an inner turn away from our sins. 
and an almsgiving that is not simply giving money as good as it is, but even giving of ourselves to those around us. St. Sophroni of Essex makes clear how these spiritual practices can lead us to humility. He says, how do we attain to humility and repentance? We have Christ's commandments before us, and we try to put them into practice. We realize, however, that we cannot reach the height of His commandments. Then we realize that we are sinners and we have passions. We begin to repent and to weep. Grieving, we seek God's mercy. The Christian's life is very simple. So why is humility so exalted? St. John Climacus says that humility is a grace in the soul and with a name known only to those who have had experience of it. It is indescribable wealth, a name and a gift from God, a spiritual teaching of Christ led spiritually like a bride into the inner chamber of the soul of those deemed worthy of it and it somehow eludes all description. St. John Climacus, and I'll quote from him uh, a little this morning from his Ladder of Divine Ascent, tells us that there are three tokens of humility, three markers that show if we're on the right path and things that we should aspire to. So wondrous is humility. The first is the wiping out of anger. I heard a story once, I'm not sure if I've shared it before, of a woman who was explaining why she became orthodox. And she said that she was traveling um, at one point in her life, and there were two Orthodox nuns traveling at the same time. And these two nuns had been accused of stealing by someone. Now, this woman telling the story knew that these nuns were innocent. However, when they were accused, their response was to get down on their knees and beg for forgiveness. And she said that when she saw this behavior, when she saw this attitude, she knew that these nuns had the right way, that they had the truth, the best way to live. And she became orthodox herself. And she became a nun as well. What freedom? What freedom from anger? What freedom from revenge, from resentment, from irritation is present in those who truly have humility in their souls? Here's another story, this time from the sayings of the desert fathers and mothers. Abba Daniel tells the story of a wealthy man in a city, and he had a daughter who was demon-possessed, and he didn't know what to do. One of his friends, who was a monk, told him, there are some holy hermits in the desert, and they're so holy that through their prayers your daughter could, could be healed, but they're so humble that they'll never agree to come out and pray for your daughter. So this is what you should do. When they come into the town to sell their wares, because hermits used to sell baskets and things to support them themselves, pretend that you want to buy something, and when they go to your house, ask them then to pray for your daughter, and perhaps they will. So everything goes according to plan. And they come to this man's house, and as soon as this young woman sees one of the holy hermits under the influence of this demon, she walks up to him and slaps him in the face. So what does he do? He turns the other cheek, following Christ's command. And the demon cries out, what violence! The commandment of Christ drives me out. And he departed from that young woman. So the presence of humility in this holy hermit is a liberation from the passions. 
even for other people, a liberation from the presence of the demonic. The second token of humility, according to St. John Climacus, is the honest distrust of one's own virtues, together with an unending desire to learn more. And this is the opposite of the Pharisee. St. John Climacus tells the story of another monk who was tempted to think vainglorious and prideful thoughts about himself. And he came up with something called the judging wall. And he went to this wall and he wrote down all the virtues, perfect love, angelic humility, pure prayer, unassailable chastity, and more. And when thoughts would come to him, he would say, come, let us go to be judged. And he would compare what he thought about himself with what was written on this wall. And what this shows us is that it is good for us to compare ourselves to some people in Lent, to Christ and to the saints, to read their lives and to really think if we are, uh, um, if we are as good as we think we are. It's a safeguard against pride. The third token, according to St. John Climacus, is the delighted readiness of the soul to welcome indignity, to welcome it with open arms even. And perhaps this is what St. Paul was speaking about in the, in the epistle today when he says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And he writes, and so does St. Peter, about glorying in difficulties and tribulations. How can people be so eager to welcome indignity and humiliation? Firstly, it's because they've discovered the secret that in becoming humble, we not only take on this exterior quality, but we take on Christ himself. St. Silouan the Athenite says, humility is the light in which we may behold the light which is God. This is when the soul by the Holy Spirit sees the Lord, how meek and lowly he is, and she humbles herself thoroughly. We can also welcome indignity when we finally had enough of pride and arrogance. In his novel, Franny and Zoe, the American novelist J.D. Salinger writes about Franny, a U.S. college student who comes across the book Way of a Pilgrim, and she starts praying the Jesus prayer, and she has these revelations about what her life has been like up to that point. She realizes how much pride there has been, and she says... I'm just sick of ego, 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 my own and everybody else's. I'm sick of everybody that wants to get somewhere, do something distinguished, be somebody interesting. And when she was confronted that maybe she was just afraid to compete with others, she said, I'm not afraid to compete. It's just the opposite. I'm afraid I will compete. That's what scares me. I'm sick of not having the courage to be an absolute nobody. And through this prayer, she comes to hate pride and seek a lowly place. Speaking of the Jesus prayer, in a homily on this Sunday, Father Paul Coates from St. Vladimir's Orthodox Theological Seminary says that the tax collector saw no one but God. He wasn't looking at the Pharisee. He didn't even look physically up to God, but this was because God was too present in his vision. It's safe to say the only thing in his mind, the only thing in his inner vision was God and his righteousness. And making God his reference point, he was able to honestly pray the prayer, God be merciful to me, a sinner. So we have these words again, have mercy on me. 
which we call in our tradition the Jesus Prayer or the Prayer of the Heart, if you haven't heard of it before. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner, is how it goes in its full form. And if you're experiencing a sense of deja vu, it's because this is a repetition of the words of the Canaanite woman from last week. And Daniel McInnes, who gave the homily last week, linked this line with the words of the blind man from a few weeks earlier. So the church is providing us with a hint here, with this repeated motif that the holy name should dwell very close to us, and especially in this time of the Triodian and Lent. It's usually prayed with the use of a prayer rope to guide concentration. Some call it the prayer of a single thought, and that's what we see in the publican. He has this one single thought focused on God, as opposed to the Pharisee whose mind is full of a multiplicity of thoughts swirling around, all of them about himself, like flies around a carcass. In fact, in the book itself, The Way of a Pilgrim, one of the starets, one of the elders, writes that truth cannot be acquired, the flesh with its passions and lusts cannot be crucified, the heart cannot be filled with the light of Christ and united with him to salvation, unless these are preceded by frequent prayer. Meredith has some prayer ropes available for sale today. Perhaps you'd like to talk to someone about praying the Jesus prayer and making this part of your practice in Lent. To conclude then, a hammer and a chisel, when used correctly, can create an exquisite sculpture. When used improperly though, they can tear down and destroy. In the same way, if we pray fast and give alms in the wrong way, when used um, improperly, they will lead us to pride and corruption. In fact, the church wants to make the message so strongly that fasting in and of itself is not going to save us that it has mandated this whole week to be a week free from fasting every time. No fasting on Wednesday and Friday. But in the correct way, that is secretly. Not looking or paying attention to what anyone else is doing. With humility, they can help us rechannel our focus and direction onto God that our souls may be humbled and therefore purified and beautified. From the start, may we take on these pillars of Lent and the Jesus prayer, that they may lead us to humility and to Christ himself. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Rejoice, o life,